Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Complete Center's Guide. I am your host, Tyler Fowler. With me, as always, Noah Chalaya. Hey. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Man, so Noah and I, and Josh is here with us, too. Josh Davidson is here with us tonight to talk about overcoming uh, depression, actually. So not a sin, not a sin, but in, or in our Overcoming Sin and Temptation series, I did want to, or actually, really, it was Josh's idea to do this. Uh, episode to talk about overcoming depression because it's something I've struggled with. It's something that I know Josh has struggled with in the past. I'm sure Noah, you have too. But we were just talking about. Hopefully, I just sent. So check this out for those who are my metalhead friends who who listen to this podcast. So I just emailed Fit for a King the band, right? And hopefully they'll be getting back with me soon. That'd be nice. But hope. But I sent them an email asking if they would do an interview. And not only that, but I don't want to give away it. I, I really don't want to give it away right now, guys. But there's might be a surprise in the makings. Uh, but like I said, hopefully we'll hear back. I'll keep you all updated on that. But that might be something to look forward to um, for, like I said, my metalhead friends. Uh, but yeah, so I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about the episode tonight. Uh, Josh, man, what has been up, brother? I know uh, it's been a while since we've been on CSG, dude. We took a little two-week vacation there, but we're back uh, now. So how you been, man? I'm I'm good. I'm actually uh, I'm having a pretty pretty good week. Um, I got a good deal accomplished at work, and you know I feel pretty good about it. And you know, good good work feels good. It does. Amen. Amen. Uh, and progress, right? Like progress. So for those who don't know, real quick, my daughter just started walking. Like two, I think it was two weeks ago. I sent Josh an e or a video, <laughs> just seeing her just. From where she has, you know, just seeing her from day one, right, to see where she's at now, she, she's uh, 11 months old today, and so next month, she's hitting a year, right, and it's went by so fast, but she's hit that milestone of walking now, and so I know where you're at, man, you know, start something, and good works at that, but to see the progression and to see, you know, what they're going to be like whenever it comes to an end, you know, it's it's a blessing that we get, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, children are a whole different kind of progress and work, man. That is rewarding to the umpteenth. <laughs> man, you you said it to me actually, Josh. You told me that my daughter would be my best theolo or theology lesson, and dude, you were right. Like you were you were straight up whenever you said that, and and one hundred percent spot on. She has taught me so much about God that just you know perspective mm -hmm. is everything, and seeing mm -hmm. you know now having the perspective of a dad of a father. It just, it completely, if you don't have kids, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but just trust me on this one. And we're going to be talking about that a lot tonight too, trust. Um, but, but Josh has kids, Noah has kids. You guys know from, from the perspective of a father to see your child progress, you know, to become more like you, you know, made in your image, really to become more <laughs> like you. Ah, it's just, and, and as you're becoming more like Christ, hopefully she'll becoming more like Christ, you know, the sooner mm -hmm. the better. And it's just, mm -hmm. uh, it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing uh, to watch. But yeah. Noah, Noah, man, how how you been doing? Like like I said, we've had two weeks off. Uh, what's changed in your life? Like I said, my daughter started walking. Josh has been accomplishing stuff at work. How's things been with you and your life, man? Life has been good. Life has been, God has, you know, it's funny. It, it, the more I, I it, it, the more I find that I chase after the things that God wants me to chase after, the more successful I am in my ventures of chasing. And so that, that's kind of been a real life lesson for me since COVID started. Uh, it really makes you evaluate who you're spending time with, where you spend, because, you know, we're, we're 
we're making those decisions much more intentionally, right? Sometimes right. because we have to for work, other times because we choose to, but like we're making those decisions intentionally. And I, it's been, it's been a really enlightening process of time priorities and people priorities and thing priorities and life priorities and having that kingdom worldview we're trying to implement, I should say, a kingdom worldview of what does life look like when you're constantly trying to seek after what God wants for you and, and glorify him and all those things. You, let right. me ask you just a question real quick, Noah. Do you feel happier whenever you're obeying God? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can. I don't know. I, I'm going to say no, especially because we're going to talk about depression tonight. I think this sure. idea that, you know, it's funny. I would I would say the opposite is true. I would say that if, if anybody is asking, like, man, if I just seek after God, is that does that mean everything's going to get better? I think that God decidedly gives us signs and puts breadcrumbs along the way so we know we're on the right path. And there's things that are sure. downright funny where you'd be like, oh, it's hilarious, God. Like, that's what really. And, and, but they're signs. They're, they're, they're signs that we're walking on the right path. But I would tell you that that's the, that's, that's Satan's first invitation to come into our lives and be like, all right, so what hurdles can we throw up? You know what I mean? Like, right. I got connected to a great church and got into a car accident like the next week. You know, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, it is the second I try to think, like, now I'm going to lower my stress level. Now I'm going to, now I can focus on this. Well, guess what? Now you're shopping April for a new car. Fools. Yep. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's a false way to look at, uh, I think that's a bad idea to, to, to approach it so, from the standpoint that if I seek after God, then I'm always going to be happy. Now, right. I think that if everybody always chose God all the time, then I think that the devil, well, if that always happened, really, the devil would become useless and meaningless. One day, one ah. day that will happen, right? But but more so what I was speaking about is that whenever I sin, right, I am like, I'm beat up. I beat myself up. The Holy Spirit mm. convicts me and it's a bad deal. But whenever I find myself doing just kind of looking back throughout the day and, you know, reflecting on what's happened and, and the, the choices that I made that day, I look back and I, I always end up with a smile on my face whenever I haven't spent the day running from God, right? Whenever I've spent the day running to God, I can go to bed resting easy that night. Not not saying that, oh, I, I've impressed him or anything like that, and I'm just that much closer to heaven. No, but my father takes joy in the progress that I make becoming more like him, right? And I think from that, David said in Psalm 53, restore to me joy, right? And give me your Holy Spirit, or, or don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore restore the joy of my heart, right? And I think that comes from whenever whenever we are being obedient to God. We're much, not saying to seek after God because he's going to make you happy. No, no, you just nailed it. Whenever you seem to be obeying God, it seems like the devil is just ten times hotter on you than he was before, Right. And so there's definitely with with Christianity and the Christian life comes persecution to be sure. But knowing and resting in God that you're obeying him, that you're being the person whom he wants you to be. Right. It just helps me to rest easy at night. I, I think that I think that it's interesting because I would have I would have said something different than both of you, but the same as both of you, if that makes sense. It's kind of Perspective like perspective uh, is everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, when when you, I think it was the way that you framed the question too, because you said when you're obeying God, are you happier? And immediately my mind sure. said no. And then <laughs> I hate you. Interesting. Well, I would rather choose myself. Afterward, Interesting. Afterward, I said, but it's better than disobeying for sure, right? Like it was. It's one of those things <laughs> where there was such an immediate conflict in my mind. Like I saw it immediately. You said, are you happier? Maybe happy. 
is just too shallow of a goal, right? Like I get mm-hmm. more joy from, from being obedient in the Lord, but in the short term, which is what happiness is, it's a short term thing in the short term. It is not very much happier. Sometimes it's often very much more painful and inconvenient and costly and all the other things that come along. That's with interesting. Overtly moral on purpose because you're following God's, you know, command and lead. And then you're trying to further the kingdom. Like Noah was saying, being forwardly kingdom minded and seeking God's kingdom on the so, earth first and all the things that you need will be added to you. Let me, I just want to kind of repeat the word that you say. You said inconvenient. What would be inconvenient about that? Just about obeying God. Yeah. Everything. Well, it, it really, it yeah. Mm. yeah it Interesting. That I, the extra mile, all the things that I would rather do need to take back seat to what I ought to do, whether I like it or not. Sure. Sure. I just, I don't know. Ever since I've been, you know, converted, it's like the things that I used to, you know, love and I, I now hate and actually obeying God is what gives me joy personally. Like I am happier whenever I'm obeying God, because like I said a while ago, if I'm rebelling against God and living in sin, right, I'm miserable personally. Mm. I'm not having fun doing that stuff. Maybe short term, I'm getting pleasure from it. But uh, the minute, say, say, okay. say masturbation, for example, right? We're going to talk about that one of these days. But masturbation, right. if I'm masturbating, looking at porn, and my wife's gone or something and I'm pleasing myself, right? Which is what, no, you said we're, you know, pleasing ourselves here. If I'm doing that, then dude, as soon as that pleasure moment is over, I don't know how it is for you guys, but for me, I'm on my knees in tears because like Paul, I did what I don't want to do. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. What I really want to do is build that kingdom and know, you know, that's very convenient for me. And I'm not saying that it's not for you. You know what I mean? But it's well, just, I, you know, I don't mean, I don't mean that it's not pleasurable to serve God because it is pleasurable to serve God. Absolutely. I, I, I noticed kind of a Freudian slip in myself when you, when you mentioned that, cause you were contrasting obedience with disobedience and disobedience mm-hmm. for me would be the lack of obedience and not overtly sinning because to know good and not do it also is sin. And that's what I had encapsulated in my mind was not going back to a sin cycle, but not doing what God is guiding me to the right now in this moment as he's actively telling me to do this versus that. And I say, no, I don't want to do that right now. That's inconvenient because mm-hmm. I have this planned instead. And God inconveniences sure. my plan. My obedience is much more pleasurable, like I said, in the long term. But in the short term, it can often be uh, very difficult. I've, I've lent friends $500 to pay their rent before when I could really you know, use that for a lot of other things and stuff right. like that. So oh, sure. I do something that's charitable that takes away from my ability to do things that I want. It's like um, if my wants are not inhab- in- inhibited by my charities, then my charities are too little. More so like sins of omission versus sins of commission is, is what right. you're speaking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Right. Sure, in that aspect of it, absolutely. Um, you know, if I would keep $100 for myself versus lending it to my friend, yeah, absolutely. God wants me to lend it to my friend, you know, but all this stuff, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's, you know, the way we view the world because, I mean, point blank, That's true. all of this stuff is temporary, right? So the $100 mm-hmm. is $100 that's going to burn up eventually, right? So I guess it's just all how you look at things, right? Um, a lot of it is, it's a lot of it is perspective. You're right about that. Um, but, and, and, and a lot of, and here's the thing is a lot of what you see is depending on where you are. And if where you are is a, is a dark and selfish place, then even the smallest charity will seem very inconvenient. Um, Oh, absolutely. 
that I think that that is a perspective thing. It has to do with the position of our uh, not only our, you know, our pocketbook, so to speak, because it's not always money that you have to give. Sometimes it's your time or your emotions or your, you know, uh, attention or, or any number of other things that God right. would, you know, start <laughs> demanding of you rightfully because you're a tenant, not a landlord, you know, but we often forget that. It is, yeah. it feels, it feels inconvenient and unpleasurable in the short term sometimes. Um, oh, but, sure. you know, I, I think, I think you were right though. When I disobey, not only just not doing what God's forwardly telling me to do, but also actively doing things that I know I should not be doing because right. that happens also, but that's not the first thing that came into my mind. So that's sure. why I was, I was recognizing that I think you have a point. You are contrasting uh, obedience with disobedience. And I think that in terms of those two options, obedience <laughs> has a, yes, obedience would, would produce more joy, maybe not happiness, but joy. Sure. No, absolutely. So moving kind of from the subjectivity to the more objectivity, let's look at Psalm 42, because this is, you know, we are we are talking about overcoming sin and or and uh, temptation tonight. We're talking about overcoming depression, not necessarily a sin per se, but more. I don't know, Josh, how would you label uh, depression a, a fruit of a fruit well, of would, sin would... like as a whole? Or... I would, I would, I would say that it's kind of a compound thing. It's almost like a a, a, mm -hmm. a fracture, but not of the bone. Um, it's mm. it's like a, a it's it's almost like a, perhaps ailment is the best way to look at it because it's it sometimes is in some sense self inflicted, but often can be something that's developed over time due to circumstance or any other number of things. Um, sure. And and when not addressed, like any other, you know, like like any other dragon, it'll grow when you try to ignore it, you know, and, and sure. it's, um, it's, it's typical, it's, it's difficult, but we know it's a mental thing, but, you know, given that we understand that we are, we are spiritual beings as well. We understand that there's, there's, a, a, a part of our consciousness that is not reducible to our, our mind, right? It's not, it's not just our brain. It's not just brain activity or chemical imbalances necessarily that does in fact come into play and it can't be neglected. That's unwise. But in, in some sense, there is, like you said, like an affliction, um, not, not necessarily a sin, but, but almost like a, um, like a weakness. Sure. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. No, absolutely. A weakness is definitely, I think it's, you know, one of the effects of the fall, right? This is depression. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Th this goes right. I think it goes hand in hand with sin, even though it's not sin itself. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It goes along with the very, the very um, reality that we are, that we are living in and being absolutely. embodied creatures. You know, we have limits and one of those limits is an impending death and that's terrifying and it has to be confronted at some point. And it's not going to be comfortable. And life is the kind of place that produces depression naturally. Absolutely. I want, I want to read Psalm 42, 11 real quick. David wrote this. Um, he says this. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Why, and this is interesting language, why so disturbed within me? He goes on to give some really good advice. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Right? And so... Josh, let me ask you this, kind of going back to depression real quick, and then I want to tie these two things together. Psychologically, how would you describe depression? Um, depression is, is um, in some sense, uh, it, 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 I, I would say it's at least two or three things. It's, it's one, 
the stark absence of positive emotion. Um, it's also a lack of motivation or interest. Um, and it is also uh, sometimes the presence of physical or mental pain. Those are the three things psychologically that I think are, are the way that I would classify or, or kind of encapsulate depression. It's one of those things where you, um, even the smallest thing can produce um, um, almost inordinate amounts of negative emotion. Sure. Whenever you said presence of physical and mental pain, such as like, and, and I, and I know this is going to be one of these, uh, a subject that is very, very touchy for some people. And, and, and I don't want to offend any of our listeners. Right. <clears throat> so, so with that being said, know that I'm speaking with grace and, and love in, in, in what I'm saying, right. We are live. So things, you know, slip out sometimes, but with that being said, so presence of physical and mental pain, it mm-hmm. seems like it, let me ask this first. Is it a combination of the two? Like something has happened, maybe abuse, or maybe you've done something to yourself. For example, whenever I was a drug addict, right? I was very depressed in those times. Suicide constantly ran through my mind. But is it more so a, how do I describe this? Is is depression, does it start small and grow over time? Or is it something that attacks maybe the word someone kind of full force all at once? Um, that, that's actually, I think, um, kind of on an individual basis. Some people are much more sensitive to negative emotion. And so in general, they're the kind of person who would experience more negative emotion and positive emotion honestly is hard to come by if you're not a terribly motivated person. Uh, and because, uh, positive emotion is only experienced in relation to a positive aim. And when you get to checkpoints along the way to a goal that you set yourself, even a small meetable goal, you can set yourself checkpoints on the way to this small meetable goal. And as you reach those checkpoints, your body will naturally give you an upkick of positive emotion by way of your serotonergic and dopaminergic systems in your body. Mm. It's a natural, it's a natural physiological response to progress, doing better or aiming higher and doing something right? That small bit of progress, it can actually uh, provide a small amount of positive emotion. Whereas if you're depressed, you don't feel motivated, you cease to aim. And that's where the negative spiral comes in. It becomes something that grows exponentially. So it's not necessarily like somebody is just, you know, day by day growing a little bit more depressed. It's kind of like one day you notice, I feel really down. And the next day you notice, that it hasn't gone anywhere and you don't feel like doing anything. And then by the, a week of this, you could really start to do things like starve yourself or start thinking about, um, you know, how you don't belong in your job, or maybe you're a terrible parent or any of the other things that you could pin yourself with, because, you know, none of us are the best version of ourselves that we can be, you know? So there's all kinds of insufficiently insufficiency and lack that we can point out about ourselves. Um, and there's no shortage of reason to just look at reality and say, this is difficult. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, and, and that, that sounds childish in some sense when I say it that way, but it, it is a very powerful, uh, thing to have a lack of positive emotion. And I think that when people come to a place where they aren't, they aren't aiming and moving, then they, they, that stagnation in them makes the, makes it grow so quickly. So if it's not 
stopped early enough, if it's not confronted, so to say, not even stopped, but at least confronted, then this can grow into something that is absolutely not healthy at all. This is this grows into something that I would describe personally with my battles with depression as something that overtakes you, right? It's almost like a parasite <laughs> that infects you. And, and the longer that it goes on, the sicker that you become ultimately into the point of it killing you. Depression kills people, ladies and gentlemen. And yes. I'm sure each of us know, you know, someone who has been affected in that extent uh, with depression. If you're just joining joining us, we're on KQQ Live, uh, KQRadio.com, 88.3 FM. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you got a question, give us a call, one 850 Four five zero six six two four is that number to call. Eight five zero four five zero or eight five five four five zero six six two four eight five five four five zero six six two four. My apologies on that. But if you got a question about this, if you're struggling with depression, call us. We've been there. We know. Trust me, I know what you're going through. Um, and and, and let me just, Josh. Let me ask you this first before we get into the Bible, right? Is there, you talked about the difference between happy and joy a while ago. Is there a joy, a joy, I, granted, the world gives pleasure, the world gives happiness, right? We, we all have been affected by that, obviously. But is there a joy that the world can give, obviously not equivalent to Jesus, obviously, but a joy that the world can give that will satisfy a person until death? Um, in some sense that, I mean, the, the, the thing, the world, no, the world can't offer you anything that God didn't give it. Um, the, all the good that's in the world is, is something God instituted. And so I, you're not going to get a good out of the world that God didn't give it. You know, the good of, 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 a, of a marriage covenant or of children or of good work. Like I said before, just finishing good work. It feels, it feels good to finish good work, to look at it and say, yeah that can stay that is acceptable and then know that you've done it and and that it's going to be there you know um that's why i like to work with my hands i'm the kind of person that likes to do that and i find that fulfilling you know but that's not going to that might fulfill me to the time of my death but it won't fulfill me thereafter because i don't believe that's the end of me you know and people might be um subtly satisfied with some of the things that they get in, in, in the world. And, and, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a wife or children or a career or a hobby or a passion or any of those things. Uh, and they can give you a deep sense of meaning. Um, but I think you asked the right question. It's not, it's not going to be the thing that, that fills you. It'll be a thing that satiates you. Sure. Sure. And, and that temporarily, again, you nailed it, Josh. All of this, and, and I said it a while ago, all of this is temporary. All that you see right now is temporary. Thank God God made the unseen and the seen, right? But but all of this will be remade, and it's and man, it's being started now, right, with us, within us. We're becoming new creations, the Bible says, right? And so all of these things, like whenever, here's just kind of a from Tyler's perspective, right? Whenever I became a Christian, the worldly things, granted, they are still, still dragging Along, they are crucified. The Bible says, but they are still screaming and yelling. Being becoming a Christian is not—you're not going to a walk in the park. You're not eating a cake, right? It, it's it's not that. Yes, joy comes with being born again. However, mm. so does persecution. 
so we heard about Noah just a minute ago. He, he found an awesome church. And look, Satan, I mean, he, he's now he's worried or was worried about a car, you know, and, and it's just it's so frustrating to think, you know, you don't come to Jesus to get happy. You come to Jesus because you're a sinner in desperate need of a savior, right? This is what this right. is why I read Psalm 42 a while ago. This is this is what David says. He said, he says, I will praise him, my savior and my God, both, both come into the picture, right? So mm -hmm. we're not saying, we are not saying come to Jesus and he'll heal your depression. Yes, he is a physician and he will heal your depression, but no, and, and, and understand first, he doesn't just come as God and he's not a genie, but he comes as savior as well. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet do not do what I say? He's all of these things, all of these different, oh, Josh, what, what's, help me out here, buddy, the uh, abstracts. Got it. He, there, there's so many abstracts, right? So many different faces of God. There, there's not just one thing that, oh, I'm struggling with this. He's going to heal it. Done. No, no. Whenever you're born again, you become a new creation. Your feelings change. Your desires change. All of these things change within you, right? And it's absolutely amazing. But part of that is healing depression. Right. And so, again, this takes time. All of these things that we're talking about is going to take time. And so you don't just become perfect overnight. We, we know that. That's why we're doing a series about overcoming present tense sin and temptation. Right. But where yeah. you start, I think, and, and Josh, please jump on this or Noah, too. You know, you've been quiet, buddy. Uh, jump in. <laughs> but but it starts, I think, joy. We're talking here. Eternal joy starts with God. It has to, because like Josh said so beautifully, nothing, nothing, nothing here, it, nothing here will fill you. It will only satiate you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Josh. It, no, it, um, I was going to say it kind of, you know, the, the thing is, is that the, the flesh wants what it wants, right? And the world and the devil is ready to hand the flesh exactly what it wants, you right. know, and that, in the in the short term, like I was saying before, the short term of obeying obeying God is not always happiness. Sometimes it is. I mean, I can't tell you what kind of crazy high it feels like to see someone born again, bro. That's amazing. <laughs> I that know. Like, we've had you want we've had those talks. Man, start evangelizing <laughs> people. If you want to be happy in the kingdom, start seeing people be born again, man. That's a that is unmatchable. That is, I think that's one of the reasons, pun intended, why I would call him the most high. Man, I can't, I can't think of anything that feels better than that, right? It's like right. a rapturous love that you get to express to someone else because God is in you loving them. That is just insanely impassable. That is amazing. Amen. You know, Amen. and if you want happiness, you know, you're going to wear the crown of thorns, friend, but you want to be happy while wearing it. See other people be born again. That should be your top priority is making the kingdom grow. That natural growth in the kingdom is going to bring a supernatural growth in you. And then you bring more growth. And it's just, it's an upward cycle. And that's something that can, that can not only fulfill and satiate you the same way a career could, but also fill you. It's Amen. both. It completes. It completes you. I think God completes you. And, and this is the complete sinner's guide, right? Yes, we're complete sinners, absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, we are complete. 
And guess what? We're not sinners in Christ. We have been born again. We are mm. holy. The Bible, not me, not Josh, not Noah, the Bible calls us holy, sanctified, set aside for God himself. This is, I, words can't describe it. This is awe, mm. right? This is the numinous, as Josh says. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, but. Like I said, I'm stuttering because it's just words can't describe the joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are all fruits of the spirit. These are all products. These are all results of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And and mm -hmm. so I think, too, to start off with God, right, whenever we're going through these problems, whenever we're going through the crown of thorns, whenever you feel them being driven in or driven into your head from the pain, the mental frustration, the exhaustion, all of that, remember, I think one practical step we could start tonight, remember God's promises. He, the, the writer of Hebrews, Josh and I probably favorite book, <laughs> but, but <laughs> Josh is Hebrews, your favorite book of the, of the New yes. Testament. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but the writer of Hebrews says it is impossible. The word says the, the Greek, it's impossible for God to lie. That means all of these things, all of these promises found in his word and, and literally the Bible and Jesus, right? Everything that Jesus said. Everything that God has spoken, God has revealed to us in his word. He cannot lie. You either believe that or you don't. And and I think that is all of what trusting God is. I posted something on Facebook earlier. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before. But I said to believe in God does not mean to believe God exists. It means to trust him, and we start trusting him when we get into his word and actually start reading his promises, but not only that, not only seeing them there, but believing them as well. This is where true, I think, not only assurance, but just, yeah, assurance that everything in the end is going to be okay. This is all temporary. Let me tell you something. Your struggle that you're dealing with right now, listener, mine, Josh, Noah's as well, they are temporary, and they will burn up one of these days. All of, all of the sin, all of the evil, all of every, just every despicable thing that is against God will burn up, the Bible says. A beautiful, I mean, a, a maybe not, yeah, a righteously beautiful, just picture of the wheat burning up, or, or I'm sorry, the tares burning up in in the fire right the, the chaff burning up and it's just like mm -hmm. all of that revelation says that it will be destroyed it will be gone right the, i think the greek there mm -hmm. cease cease the bible says that stuff will go away and so all of every tear will be wiped away the bible says every, all of these things these are all promises ladies and gentlemen and rest in them just like you're resting in christ for salvation Rest in the fact that not only is he going to save you on judgment day, he's saving you through your trials. We never were promised that we were going to be saved from our trials. He gave us strength and gives us strength to endure the trials. That's what he said. To, he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, I pray that you not, in John uh, 19, Father, or John 17, Father, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. That is God's prayer to the disciples. That's God's prayer for all of his children who are in Christ, that not to be taken out of the world, not to be, you know, 
saved from sin in that sense, but so that we could go through the trials because going through the trials makes us more like Christ. Josh? Mm. Uh, you know, I before before we we started this i was you know in in my head i actually i if 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 i can be honest for extra honest for a moment i i had a bit of please um like physical anxiety before we started the show um that i don't normally feel when i'm going to speak which is because speaking for me is is something that comes easy um i'm very articulate and i always have been and so i've never really been nervous about speaking but this this topic is very daunting for me because I when I was when I was a teenager it was very um, it was almost shrouded from me that I was depressed because I was so invested in trying to see other people do well I actually neglected myself in the process because my motives were not from a place of being you know God's hands and feet in the earth um, I just kind of felt. Um, I felt like the displacement of my own um, lack of satisfaction for myself. I could see other people do well or feel for them or feel with them. And it made me think that all the negative emotion I was experiencing was because I was being a good friend, you know? Um, and so it's interesting to think that depression is not something that only touches people who are in a bad place, doing bad things or uh, having bad things happen to them. It's, it's, it's in, it's just, I think it's endemic to humankind. I think that it's just something that because, because reality is a, is hard as nails and it doesn't bend. Uh, it's something that, that, that hits us, whether we like it or not, tomorrow is coming. And it seems like it's coming at the point of a gun. You don't have an option, right? Um, I think the, for me, the best way of encapsulating practically how, how I got out of that in some sense is looking at it in a different way. Like you said before, perspective is, is, is everything. It's large in, in our, 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 it should be, it should be top priority for us to, to see things clearly, to pay attention. Um, you know, and, and often when somebody is depressed, they feel clouded, they feel removed. Like I said, they're lacking positive emotion and they're peaking in negative emotion and they lack motivation. And they feel the heaviness of the passage of time and their laziness makes them upset, but their upsetness makes them lazy. And that's why it becomes cyclical. It's one of those things that's difficult to rise out of. And so the best thing that we can do for ourselves, like you said, first off, is to understand that all of this is temporary. And also that if you are not moving, you should be. And if you understand that you should be, because there are people, imagine, I, like I said, I thought I was being a good friend when I was really deeply depressed and I didn't understand. And there was a lot of misplaced emotion because I was also simultaneously uh, uh, like deeply suicidal, but I wouldn't recognize it about myself. Um, and it was frightening to have thoughts like that and then to run from them. Uh, and, and when you run from them, they only grow. You, the, the, the first thing you need to do is be honest with yourself that that's happening and make sure that you say something to someone. You know what I mean? For Suicide what, just is not, a, so just out of curiosity for what, what would be the purpose in saying something and what does that, what does that person do? Which, which person, the person who hears or the person who tells Well, both. I mean, what, where is the, 
why is that a suggestion? Why did, what is the because, intention? Behind because, that? because it, here's the thing is, is somebody who is feeling suicidal feels embarrassment at, at acknowledging it even to themselves and fear at even acknowledging it and confessing it to someone else. But fear is a much lower cost than dying and dying is exactly what happens to suicidal people. And so it is, it is absolutely crucial that if you are experiencing genuinely suicidal thoughts and you're not only experiencing suicidal thoughts, but you're actively envisioning a suicidal plan, please, for your own sake and all the other people around you, say something. You need to say something. If you are silent and you try to pretend like it is not there, the dragon will only grow inside you. And that, that it'll, it'll get to a point where you can't address it on your own. And if it's gotten to that point, you need to ask for help. You need to say something. It is crucial. And the person who, who you reach out to might not know what to do, but you, you still need to say something. It is, it is crucial that you let it known, let it be known that you're experiencing that. Because me- if, if, if you are experiencing, actively experiencing suicidal thoughts or tendencies and, and other people aren't actively knowing or engaging with you about it, then nobody can really help you and pull you out. Let me ask you this, though, Josh. I'm depressed, right? I'm, there's a lack of trust that I think goes with depression. It did in my case anyway. I did not trust a lot of people and I was very, when, when I was very depressed. So with that being said, where do I go? Um, feeling that lack of trust. That, that's a, that's a difficult question to answer for, for like everyone. I really, I honestly, I'm at a loss for that one. I'm not entirely sure where to point someone necessarily on, on the individual basis outside of saying, you know, uh, the local church body is a great place to start. But honestly, if you're afraid, start with a stranger. They don't know you and they won't know you again. But if you, if you genuinely need to say something, say something, even if it's to the police. You need to say something. If it's come to the point where you're actively envisioning your own demise, you need to say something to someone. It is not about discretion anymore. It is, that's, that is a life or death situation, genuinely. I cannot say deeply enough how troubling it is to know that people actively feel that way and don't want to, re- don't, not, not want to reach out, but feel they cannot reach out because no one would do anything. Yeah. No, that's... Um, and, and I think that the church needs to be paying closer attention to itself when we do things like, you know, um, actively expecting that everyone who's in the church should have a smile on their face at all times. And almost, you know, thinking that you should give someone a hard time if they're not smiling. Maybe instead you should go and pray with them. Maybe yeah. instead you should extend yourself and be honest about your own past. So maybe they feel like they can say something. It's all about vulnerability for the person who can reach out, but the person who can't reach out and feels trapped needs to be reached to sometimes. And we need to have our eyes open and the person who's having those, those deep feelings, they need to open. They need to say something. It is crucial. I think it's a two way street. I, I mean, I really do. I think it's important for those who are not, who are not depressed to, here's the thing. Every, it seems every Sunday, every Sunday I go to church, 
we come, we walk in, shake hands. How you doing? Okay. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Okay. How you doing? Good. And that's as far as the conversation goes. And I know it's like that in a lot of places. Here's, here's how I would answer my own question. I would say, whenever you feel like you can't trust somebody, whenever you feel like you can't trust the world, there's someone that you trust. It's the person that you love. Go to the person that you love. Whoever that may be, a mom, dad, brother, sister, nephew, niece, son, daughter, someone you love. Because if you love someone, there's trust there. There might not be a lot, but there is trust there. Secondly, on the other side of the coin, I would say it's important for us as those who are not going through this right now, those who aren't struggling with depression, it's important for us to be more than the okay how you do in person at church. It's important for us to actually set down and get to know our brothers and sisters. Guys, church, whether you worship on Saturday or Sunday, it's meant for two things. It's meant for one, to worship God, and two, to do that with brothers and sisters. It's fellowship. This is why Paul said, Thank, do not forsake the, the gathering, the assembly of, of, of all the believers, right? This is a time that we get together. We worship God every day of the week, guys. But here's the thing. We get together to worship God corporately as a body. We are the church, the ecclesia, the body of believers, and we come together you know, sometimes one, sometimes two, sometimes every time, every day of the week. I think the early church had church every Sunday or, or, or every day, right? But, but the point is, is that whenever, whenever we come together, that's exactly what we should be doing is fellowshipping. And I'm guilty of it too, being the okay, how you doing guy. But, but let us strive, let us strive to next week, whether, whether, or this weekend, whether Sunday or Saturday. Be more than the okay. How you doing? Talk to somebody. If you see somebody, say, "Ah, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm cool." And you know it, like you know this person, and you know something's up. I'm not saying make a big scene. What I'm saying is, say, "No, really. How are you doing?" Like that's how you start this conversation. And mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, I promise you, people will open up. That that opens a door, I think, for trust, right? Like, God sent his only son. Like, we didn't beg for God to come. No, Jesus was sent by his father to do his father's will. And, and so he made the first move, right? This is, this is God reaching out, be, coming into creation, right? Breaking into it out of love. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. and, and think about it. That's the bond that unites us to Christ is trust. What's the remedy for depression? I think it's trust. Trust in God. Trust in your neighbor. Trust in your brother. Right. Oh yeah. But 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 that I think that's where the church needs to really come together and 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 let's end this demon. Let's end this this sickness. This this result of sin. Right, just by starting out with the conversation, it takes talking and it takes listening. Right, reach out, like Josh said, and, and let's beat this thing. Let us overcome depression. And and it's important to notice also that you know, Im imagine for just a moment, you can ask yourself if you are experiencing depression actively right now and you're hearing us, you can ask yourself some diagnostic questions. This might not be a mental thing. Maybe you have actual real life problems that need to be addressed that could that could be advantageous for you and make you in a better position. 
And when you accomplish those things, not only will you receive the positive emotion, but you also have the benefit of being out of the bad situation. Is your house in order? Is that, you know, because if, if you, let's say, do you have a close relationship with someone like a spouse or a best friend? Can you, do you have anybody to confide in? If you don't, you need to seek out someone to confide in. You need to find someone worth following. Good leaders are someone worth following. Find people that you can be around that don't make you feel low, unclean, or unsafe. Find people that you can be yourself around. And what I mean by that is not necessarily being uncouth and, un, and un, uh, unclean on purpose so that you can be around people that you used to be around. What I mean by that is seek out people that make you want to be a better version of yourself and then be that version, right? You can be yourself. You can be, like you said, trusting or vulnerable, but ultimately you do that with somebody that makes you, uh, that expects you to progress and do more and they want to see the best come out of you. Those are the kind of people that you should want to confide in if you're going to actively seek out someone to be that, that confidence, right? But also, do you have a job? Do you have something meaningful to do outside of your job? How is your relationship with your family? These are things that can deeply affect someone and they, they will, they will, you know, inhibit you from progressing. If you have, um, you know, uh, what people call dirty laundry in your closet or skeletons in the closet, right? These things that are, uh, that, that become repressed secrets in you. You, you tuck them down and you don't want to look at them. You don't want to address them. It's like, if you look the thing that you're afraid at in the face, you don't find out that it's not scary. You find out that you are bigger than it and you can deal with it, but you have to start reaching out and finding out what it is that's not right. You have to, and some of these things are going to be difficult to, to tackle. They're not going to be fast solutions. They're not going to be quick fixes, but sometimes it's not a, a chemical imbalance or a mental disorder. It's not, sometimes it's not those things. Sometimes it's actually that you have a problem that needs facing. And sometimes when you don't face that problem, you begin to feel the weight of that problem pressing on you as it grows. That's something that also can cause depression. But let's say you're a person who doesn't have any of those problems and you're still experiencing depression. Understand that it's not outside of the realm of possibility that you might need some kind of medication to help your brain reassemble its chemical balances so that you can actively engage with reality in a, in a, in a better way. And you'll try it. You'll know in a month, you know, uh, it, it, you, you, you really would be surprised at what can help somebody who's not experiencing these kind of real life problems I was, I was describing. If, if you have a relatively functional life and you're still experiencing deep clinical depression or even suicidal tendencies, in, a, in addition to reaching out, try psych, psych medication. Sometimes it can help you and it can curb and it can stop some of the symptoms that you're experiencing so that you can rise out of that. And then you can make more positive aims. And like I said, your positive emotion is going to be experienced in relation to achieving things on the way to your positive goals. That's going to be something that's crucial to anybody facing depression. And again, this, this applies to Christians also, because it's not the case that if you're depressed and you're a Christian, it's not because you don't have enough faith and God's just mad at you. It's like, no, sometimes things happen chemically, mentally, situations, circumstances, 
uh, a loss in the family. There's all kinds of things that can happen that can trigger something like depression. And, and I just want people to know that this is a diverse thing. It's not just you. It's not. It's not just you. You know, and it's not just that you're a crazy person. It's not that. There's all kinds of things that can be causing depression. And it's not just one thing. You know, and it and 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 it's it's difficult because there's not like a really ready-made answer for everybody. But the the one that we can give that's ready-made for everyone is is really if you submit your life to God and receive the life that God has for you and be born again and be part of this kingdom we're describing, you can be filled and find a meaning that you will not be able to contrive for yourself. And that can sustain you and that can fill you. And in fact, when you begin to obey God, like we were saying before, and even to try to, you know, you, you become saved and you become passionate about what we're talking about. You want to see other people saved to see someone else ushered into the kingdom is one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced. Really. It's like seeing my son ushered into the world from my wife as he was born. It's something of, of, of immeasurable significance, you know, and it makes a difference and you can see that it makes a difference and life it, that justifies to me that can justify the, the suffering and the, the hardship and the, 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 the difficulty and the lack and the pain and everything else that life, life is made of, you know? I just want to kind of want to touch on something you said earlier, Josh, you know, these things do happen. God allows things, you know, like chemical imbalances to happen um, for his reasons, whatever. But, but the fact of the matter is we live in a sin cursed world, right? There are things that are wrong. A anyone, I don't care if you're a believer or not, you can look out into the world and tell you there's something wrong in the world, right? There's, we have a problem. So that is, you know, and not only outside of us, but also we are affected by that problem, right? By that thing called sin. And so we live in a sin cursed world and, and, and it affects and it, and it tears apart every single thing. And, and the beautiful thing about, about Christianity, about Jesus, about God is that he's restoring it. That everything from Adam's rebellion and the results of all of that, God is restoring it all. God, is, one of these days we are, we will live on a new, in new heavens and a new, and on a new earth, right? And, and so these are things, again, getting into the practical steps that we can apply from this episode to, to start actually overcoming depression, right? We think about these things. So I would say this, I've got six, right? Just, and, and Noah and Josh, you can add to these, um, if you want to, but, but one, definitely reach out, right? Start, reaching out and, and first and foremost, reach out to God. If you do not have a relationship with God, if you're not trusting God, it starts here. I really think, and, and I'm, it starts here. God is the source of all that is good, joy, patience, peace, you know, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things and more come from God. Everything that is good, James says, comes from the Father of lights, right? So this is a being. This is an entity, the Holy Trinity, God Almighty, the Most High, right? This is a being that we can trust. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. That, that was the staple, I think, in God's grand design as to see this is what I'm going to do to my son. I'm going to crucify him for you. And then I'm going to raise him from the dead to prove I'm not lying. I'm still waiting for somebody to prove to me Jesus did not rise from the dead. It still hasn't been done. Uh, 
And so I'm just, you know, I'm going to continue to have faith in him and to trust him. That's what it means to believe, right? But reach out to God. Second, reach out to man, right? Reach out to someone you love because we need, it's not just me, my Bible, and Jesus, right? It. God has given us pastors. He's given us teachers. He's given us elders. He's also given us brothers and sisters for a reason. And this Man. is to make this is part of becoming like Christ. Like I said a while ago, God is multifaceted and so is his design, right? All of these intricate little pieces play a bigger play a role in a much bigger picture, right? And and so it's kind of like Josh and I've talked about before, looking at a picture close up, seeing the little details and looking at it far from from far behind and seeing all of all of it in its glory and majesty, right? There's all of these little intricate pieces. And so brothers and sisters are just a piece of the puzzle that we need to be filled, to be complete, like Josh said. And so reach out, reach out to a family member, a person. If you're a Christian, reach out to someone who is in Christ, someone that you know has been changed by God, someone that you can just yeah. talk to and remember and just fellowship and, and just remember what all God has said. Get into the Bible. That's that's step three, really. Get Or step two, get into the Bible. Trust God and get into his word and believe it. Believe what has been written. These are godly inspired, like the Holy Spirit, Theonustos, God breathed. These people were inspired by God to reveal his revelation, right? And, and so this, and, and it's been preserved for us. So we all can look back and see not only from the start of creation, but to 2000 years ago, whenever Christ actually walked this earth, right? Step number three is again, seek out people to be accountable to, like Josh said. So with this person that you're seeking out and, and, and seeking um, to talk to, let's take it a step further and be accountable to that person, get an accountability buddy, get two, get three, but it, I'm telling you guys right now, guys and gals, if you want to be godly, you must disconnect from ungodly people. What do not be unequally yoked, Paul says. And so with that, yes, it's in the context of marriage, but it reigns true throughout life. Do not be unequally yoked. What has Satan to do with God? Really, what, that's what it boils down to. Number four, Josh said it beautifully. Uh, let me rephrase it a little bit. Face the demon. Face the real-life problems adding to your depression. Do you need a job? Do you lack money? Is that why you're depressed? Go get a job. Do you have a job? Ask for a raise. Do stuff. Be productive. They, they don't want to give you a raise. Do, go above and beyond to show them that you deserve one, right? Or just... Anyway, pick up a part-time job, something, but be productive. That not only gets your mind off what you're depressed about, but it also fixes the problem. If you need money, again, a job. Ask somebody for money. If you need help, like I asked Noah the other night, uh, well, actually, it was a few weeks ago, bro, I might need some cash. But luckily, or well, not luckily, but God in his providence, he it was so cool. The next day, it's like we got our stimulus check or something. It was, it was, it was just on point. But anyway, so and uh, getting back to practical steps, uh, number five, possible medication. Josh said it uh, again. You might need, you might have a chemical imbalance. Seek out a doctor. Talk to a professional. We are we are in no no ways professionals on this show. Seek if you if you're to the point of suicide, seek a doctor. If you know that your depression is becoming a problem, maybe not suicide yet, 
but seek a doctor, seek professional help because they can give you information that we can't, right? Because we just don't know. Mm-hmm. They they went to school for this. They tr- it, that would be a good stranger to talk to. That'd be the perfect stranger to talk to, really. Um, if yeah. you, if you don't have anybody in the family, go to a doctor, go to somebody professional in the field. And six, final and foremost, be obedient. Be obedient to God. Joy does stem from obedience, right? Long term. And so with that, you know, trust God, seek out people to be accountable to, face the demon, possible medication, be obedient. This has been the Complete Sinner's Guide. And if you need somebody to talk to again, hit me up, hit Josh up, hit Noah up. Let us help you out. I'm Tyler Fowler. This has been the Complete Sinner's Guide. Check us out next week with a brand new show, and we will see you all next time. See y'all.